And there's also a day for tenant workers in the Philippines, like a national holiday. Wow. For, yeah, yeah. For people who are no longer on the islands. Welcome back to another episode of Sterling Municipal Library's podcast, All Booked, where we talk to you about books we'd like to recommend. And Jake is joining us to talk about the book Concepcion, which is about, it's multi-generational, right? Yeah, yeah, very much so. So how about you describe it for us? Okay. Well, it's actually kind of funny because we're ordering it for the collection because we don't have it yet. And Lisa Coker, who does most of our book ordering, asked me, is this... Like she said, I can either put it in memoir or I can put it in one of the 900s for like history of of ethnic groups in America. Mm -hmm. And I was like, honestly, flip a coin because it's pretty much 50-50 both of those things. Because it is a family history that is then very deeply tied into the history of the Philippines. So he traces his family roots all the way back to his family was... One of his great, great relatives was something like a sultaness or something like that. Wow. Yeah. So she was she was royalty back before the islands had been converted to Catholicism. And she was one of the first people to convert to Catholicism under the Spanish. And so it's actually kind of a unique story because their family was actually quite rich in the Philippines before they they moved to the States. And so they you follow, you know, all the way through Muslim conversion of the Southern Islands and then to the Spanish arrival, then to the U.S. colonialization, then to the brief Japanese occupation and then to independence. And you see like the whole history. That's what I was telling Jamie about it. And I was saying, like, I just I learned a lot from this book, which I really appreciated, too. Yeah. And what was the author's name again? Albert Samaha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I know you read a lot of nonfiction. Mm-hmm. How did you discover this one? This one, honestly, it, it had a it had a good review in the Times. So I, and it was something that I had been interested in. I read How to Hide an Empire. The author's name is escaping me, but it sort of delved briefly into the U.S. colonialism in the Philippines. And I and this is the kind of book that I really like. Like it's both both memoir and telling me a lot of information. So that's kind of, that's another reason that I was drawn to it. And what was his experience like emigrating to the United States? So he actually, okay, I'm reading a couple different, I'm reading another oh, thing no. by a Filipino American <laughs> author now. So he came, he came very young. Okay. He came very young and actually does not speak Tagalog very well or even at all. They didn't really speak it all that much in the house. So he... He mostly and he was living in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is pretty diverse. It wasn't so much that he was, you know, the only person in the classroom or anything like that. There were other Filipino Americans there, too. I think he does an interesting job of sort of placing his own family's immigration in the context of other other Filipinos immigrating from the (laughs) Philippines. He you know, it's something that he mentions is. There is a huge diaspora of of Filipinos. There's they work as guest workers in Saudi Arabia, obviously the states as well. U.S. colonialism left pretty good nursing schools in the Philippines, so a lot of nursing shortages worldwide are are filled by Filipinas. So there's 
It's interesting. And there's also a day for tenant workers in the Philippines, like a national holiday. Wow. For yeah, yeah. For people who, who are no longer on the islands. So it is it, it has become a point that that's like part of their culture. Both of these authors I'm also reading Dear America by Jose Antonio Vargas. And it's both of them sort of make a point of talking about how if Filipinos can be defined by any trade, it's it's to them anyway, the ability to sort of blend in to many different surroundings to adapt. Okay. In that way, yes. I forget the question that I was asked. <laughs> I was uh, asking if he goes deeply into his own story of coming Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So we follow him of particular interest in this book is him and his mother. So his mother started working as a flight attendant and then moved to the States. And she had a few different jobs. The one that she really liked was real estate. And she was getting into real estate in like 2003. So yeah. (laughs) So she had a very brief and wonderful flirtation with real estate in the early 2000s, which obviously a lot of us know how that story ends. And then we sort of see, because he is... This book is interesting in that you can look at the U.S.'s relationship with the Philippines and say that was, I mean, it was colonialism. It's Mm -hmm. usually not not a very nice situation. And then you can look at, you know, the immigrant experience in the United States and say that's usually not a very nice situation either. But he is very good about pointing out, like, actually some things did work out well like most of the his most of the people who truly arrived from the philippines those family members the first generation were a little they had a little bit more financial trouble but he and all of his cousins seem to have really found their footing in the states so it's not it's not as gloom and doom as you might think he is a he's a successful journalist now his his cousin i think who he talks about at length also is a successful nurse so there's they've all i mean they've managed to adapt for the most part mm-hmm. and even if the older generation has a little trouble with money it seems like the the younger generation now can at least take care of them in in their situation what prompted his family to move the marcos regime so they were quite wealthy and it's interesting because they managed the first generation managed to immigrate to the united states because they had served as essentially spies for the U.S. during the Japanese occupation of the islands during World War II. And so that made them eligible to immigrate to the United States. They and they were still they managed to hold on to their wealth through all of that conflict. But the Marcos regime was famously kleptocratic. They stole somewhere to the order of like at least $10 billion from oh. the Philippine economy. Yes. And Imelda Marcos is like, has a famous shoe collection. And so they, I forget the exact circumstances, but essentially they finally were like, no, we are not going to pay bribes to this regime. And then they said, okay, fine. We're just going to confiscate all your property. So that happened. And then they went to the U S so wow. yeah, it was one of those. It was another one of those situations where he, Ferdinand Marcos, declared martial law, and but that martial law was capitalist, and it was, you know, the 60s and 70s, so we said, 
cool beans, go right ahead, and continued providing military support for that regime. So not great. (laughs) It sounds like it spans a lot of the history of the Philippines in general, right? A lot, yes. Uh, What was Um, something that stood out to you or that surprised you? Something, I mean, something that you don't often think about is that, that, like, these places like the Philippines and Indonesia did not have a cohesive Philippine identity mm. until they were colonized. They spoke, like, Tagalog is the primary language of the Philippines now, but it's actually only native. There are three different island chains in the Philippines. Um, Luzon, which is the northernmost, Visayas, which is the middle one, and then Mindanao, which is the most southern one. And Tagalog is only actually native to Luzon. And those other islands speak different languages. And in fact, Muslim sort of rebellion against the Catholic regime took the longest in Mindanao, where Samaha is actually from. And that's where sort of that that Catholic conversion was the least complete. But so there's just sort of it's sort of an interesting thing to come into like, oh, there really is no reason that that specific cluster of islands should be a nation necessarily yeah yeah. you know how those little quirks of history but yeah go ahead i was gonna ask if they if the author mentions the name at any point is there any reason that he named it concepcion or is it a theme or that is no that's the family name yeah that's like that's like the old time family name of i think their farm or something like that okay yeah and it you know it's a cognate. It's conception. Mm-hmm. Sure. I would have to That's okay. think yeah. of, yeah, if, if there was really all that much, I think it, I don't know. A lot of times titles just seem not very related to the actual work at yeah, hand. I wasn't, so that's, <laughs> I wasn't sure if it, if it connected to something, but it, I mean, it makes sense if it's a, if it's something that is, has been in his family, if it mm-hmm. was the name of his family farm. Like, yeah. That's a good enough for reason as any. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it covers so much information. Yes. How many pages is this? Oh, I read it on an ebook, so I'm not even sure. Oh. I think it's like, it's max 400. It's not that much. I think the thing about it is that he actually has the memoir stuff. It's there. You can call this a memoir, but it is a much lighter touch than a lot of memoirs. There's not a ton of like, I don't know, describing this scene at Christmas in 1997 or something like that. You know, okay. like that's 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 less so there. And there's a lot of there's a lot of first person stuff. Like when when he reaches the point in the sort of history telling of 1898, when the U.S. took over for Spain, basically as the colonial power presiding over the Philippines, he includes a lot of just sort of just a string of quotes that are generally awful from Americans vis-a-vis with regards to the Philippines. And Rudyard Kipling's famously awful poem, The White Man's Burden, was Mm -hmm. written in response to the U.S. gaining possession of the Philippines. So, yeah, yeah. So there's, or not written in response, but that's, it was something about the Philippines. I I need to get my facts straight, but yes. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of historical stuff in there which i really liked yeah was the pacing slow at all or did it read fast enough because it was covering so much information i did not think it was i don't when i am learning oftentimes i don't notice that pacing is slow but i really don't think i was never really bored in this there was because just because there was a lot from this perspective that i was able to even contextualize like within my own life he talks about Something very curious that he talks about is how when he is in high school, he adopts he adopts the mannerisms 
and sort of cultural touchstones of black culture because to him it seems as if there is whiteness and there is blackness and those are the two ways of of being accepted in the United States. Yeah. So he and then he he mentions also something very he, he there's like one movie that was made about the Filipino American experience. So he kind of like talks about that movie a little yeah. bit too. It, and so it feels it feels almost essayistic. It, yeah. But it's 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 very it it gave me a lot of room to think about things. So that was good too. What kind of reader would you try to match up with this book? Well, everyone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, no, and the only reason I say that is because, you know, in 1898, we got the Philippines, which eventually was granted its independence, but we also got Puerto Rico, which has, has not, not been, been granted its exactly. independence. And to be um, honest, this is these are portions of U.S. history that we don't really talk oh, about. Oh, never, yes. ever, ever. So it's... Everyone should at least read probably one book about it. <laughs> but who would I recommend it for? Anybody who likes literary fiction or memoir. Anybody anybody who likes history, too, honestly. Okay. I read. I actually usually listen to audiobooks for history. This one I actually did read, even if it was on an e-reader. But I think it was the perfect sort of blend for me to, to have in front of my eyeballs. So that's it. <laughs> that's all the questions I can oh. think of. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to like share about it, about the author or Well, I think okay. So, one other thing that the author really wants to explore and it's very because he kind of opens with this is that sort of contrary to what you might think for an immigrant his mother is a huge Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, like just Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so I mean it's 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 unexpected, but he sort of he traces sort of those feelings one it's it's just easier for new arrivals to sort of try to identify themselves with an in-group um what they view as an in-group and so that makes a fair degree of sense and then also he talks about the the current situation in the philippines which as of recording is still led by rodrigo duterte who has killed a lot of people in in their drug wars but there's a very curious scene at one of his family christmases where he is saying like this man is like this man is horrible. Like this is not a this is a bad politician, and his entire family is like, no, you don't know what things are like in the Philippines. Like he's actually doing some good, and this stuff kind of needs to happen. So it's it's very curious to see how how attitudes differ just based on people's experiences. What's also sort of interesting is his entire family hates the Marcos regime, but until. Gosh, I want to say like 2018, Imelda Marcos, who was Ferdinand Marcos's wife, was a senator in the Philippines. She held public office and was elected to public office. And now his son, I think Bong Bong is his name, is like vice president and he is close to Duterte. So these, I don't know, he is exploring how those sort of red-blooded feelings with regards to politics can can persist despite one's experiences yeah if that makes sense that does and then i think it's also just because both authors of the books that i'm currently that i'm currently reading about the filipino american experience have called out their experience with the census because it's a very interesting situation when they ask when they ask him to check those boxes because albert samaha his dad is lebanese and his mother is filipina so when he goes for boxes, he's like, well, I'm part Middle Eastern, which would make me white. 
but then I'm also white Hispanic because I come from a place that was that was colonized by Spain. And then, but I'm also Pacific Islander because of blah, blah, blah. Like they both have a lot of trouble. And even last time I filled out the sentence census, they listed Scottish as an example. And I was like, I'm like, do I have six, to write that down? I'm like, like, I'm like six generations yeah, removed from Scotland. Yeah, I was actually a little bit thrown by it too. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, but okay, sure, Scottish, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's just some some of our curious, I don't know, demographic questions that we yes, have yeah. are difficult and i especially it's very difficult like one just generally like written for what they consider to be like the average white american yeah yeah and on top of that like the united states is this huge landmass where everyone is just kind of like oh we're all like american not thinking of all these like places that have had like so much yeah. sordid history with yeah. with general european people and, yes right? <laughs> yeah, yeah and who would just have to be like do i have to write it all down like, yeah this is, do you want me to write you an essay and say, here's my book yeah yeah exactly <laughs> there you go. I, re- I remember being very perplexed by that question too. yeah yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah definitely well it was really interesting like it, it, it's i i like that it combines a history because i feel like it it gives you the personal story mm-hmm. but at the same time you have to take a second to like think about that in relation to just kind of just the history of colonialism mm-hmm. specifically in the Philippines but hopefully it will open eye the eyes of people who are like oh wow turns out the rest of the world also has history yeah yeah Weird. well because i feel like our education system is so us centric that oh, one yeah. of my favorite things to go i don't in general enjoy history stuff but i do mm-hmm. enjoy learning about the histories of other countries yeah because i feel like it was such a blind spot especially in... non european countries because i yes. feel like when they do do non American focused history like, segments. We'll do Great it's Britain. always like yeah. yes. we're going to talk about World War II. So I guess I have to tell you what the other countries in Europe are. <laughs> there is France. Ugh. And yeah, there's no. also there's like Japan. Like that yeah. one exists too. We're not going to tell you anything, but except like World War II. But like whatever. we might mention Egypt a little bit, uh, yeah. maybe, but only like right in the beginning when we talk about pyramids. Yeah, they, they don't exist honestly anymore. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's terrible. Like I can't believe I had an entire class dedicated teaching me about louisiana yeah when i grew up in louisiana <laughs> and like did i have a world history class i did not no i did not i just really knew about louisiana well i think it's also it's really helpful to put those things in context because yeah. like the u.s acquisition of louisiana was a part of the great power struggle between britain yes. and france right and spain and then also, you know, the U.S. acquisition of the Philippines and Puerto Rico was a part of the yes. decline of the Spanish Empire. So, like, and those those things are there are connections to be made to U.S. history that we just don't get very often, yes. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and reading a book that can put the history of the Philippines in context will maybe make people understand a little more about Puerto Rico and yeah. why that matters even yes. if you only hear about it once every so often on the news and why it's important to still be learning about those things and not just push them to the side yeah i agree for sure for sure all right well thank you so much for bringing us a very thought-provoking read mm-hmm. and stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations bye bye